Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Today is a very exciting day for me personally. For those of you that have been fans of this podcast, Digital Hospitality, every single week, we try to figure out the brightest minds, the best companies, the best brands that are blending the online world and the offline world and the tactics that they're using to do that. Uh, I've never gotten a pre-released copy of a book from a Wall Street best-selling author and I have one for those of you watching on YouTube I have one that I'm holding in my hands and I couldn't put the book down and you printed um, it it's very impressive I, I printed it because as even for someone that loves digital as much as I do um, there's something about writing I guess taking notes in an author's work that helps me digest the information. Um, but today's guest is Alex Goldfain, who is a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, global sales consultant, keynote speaker, and he just published Five Minute Selling, which is the book that we're going to talk about. And I, I'm so excited to talk about it because unless you're in sales, you pretend like sales doesn't exist. And unless you're in marketing, you pretend like marketing doesn't exist. And we live in a world where you need to be doing both of those things. Um, so we have the expert here, uh, five minutes selling. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sean, for having me. I sure appreciate it. And uh, I'm happy to tell you that uh, last night the book showed up at my house. Yes. And I got to see the book for the first time. Uh, which is always a really special moment for an author. So you're, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm doing a lot of interviews and and you, yours is, uh, you know, hopefully this airs around the, the release day of the book, which yes. is August 24th, which I know we've talked about, but you're one of the first people to actually see the uh, actual book because I just got it last night. Right? That's you, super you, you and me are in the first 10 people that have seen the actual book, right? Well, I'm, I'm One honored. of them is my wife and two of them are my kids. So. I, I am I am honored. I self-published uh, my grandfather's life story, and I remember the day that the book, actual physical book, came to our house, um, and he started crying, and I started crying. It was very emotional, emotional thing, and for me, that's aspiring to write these ideas that we talk about every week on digital hospitality into a book. Um, there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to ask you along the way, offline, online, but uh, today specifically, I'd love to talk about why. Why five minutes selling and why now? So uh, five minutes selling uh, because uh, five minutes is enough. But, <laughs> Not eight minute, minutes ab, a day. eight minute abs? Yeah. Uh, five minutes a day. Yes. Combined of proactive outbound communication to your customers and prospects when nothing is wrong. That's the key. Uh, most people only hear from, uh, you know, people who sell, business owners. Uh, if you're a customer, you tend to hear from those people when something's wrong, right? I can't get you in, right? We, we don't have your reservation anymore. Um, or uh, I don't have enough, or I can't be there at that time, or something's wrong. And I'm suggesting you call when nothing's wrong and say, how are you? I was thinking about you. How's your family? Now, what do you have going on that I can help you with, right? Five minutes of that kind of communication, but also other techniques, the did you know question, did you know we yeah. can also help you with this or that? The reverse did you know question. What else are you working on? What other digital needs do you have that I can help you with, right? Who do you have working on your other digital stuff that I can help you with, right? Yeah. What do you need two of us for? Just, I want to help you. You're talking to me now. Maybe we can do that. So, you know, in each of those examples I just gave are like five or 10 second examples, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm talking five minutes a day. Combined of those things, your sales will grow. So why five minutes selling? Because people get overwhelmed by hours and I don't think you need hours. I think you need five minutes a day, every day. Um, in system, and we'll talk about the system piece of this. Uh, why now? Uh, because salespeople are busy. Uh, it's not like we're sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. The phone is ringing. You know, yeah. customers, clients are calling us. They're, they've got issues. They've got problems uh, in the restaurant world. They have reservations, uh, and we're reacting to it. And 90 to 95 percent of people who sell are reactive. Yes. which means it's really easy to stand out from that crowd, 
right? And if you can do five minutes of proactive selling, you will be, you will put yourself above 90 to 95% of the competition, which is totally yeah. reactive. So it's really easy to stand out in this crowd. And also why now? Because in this time that we're living in, Sean, we're in a pandemic. Everybody's at home, right? Very few people are at an office. Yes. Uh, those that are, are there by themselves. The distractions aren't there, right? There's, there's a small group in the office. Everybody's doing what you and I are doing right now. We're all sitting at our desk, yes. right? And with us on our desk is our phone, yep. right? Everybody's by their phone. People are more reachable than ever right now. Nobody's traveling. Nobody's flying. Nobody's going to meetings. Everybody's reachable, first of all. Second of all, nobody's calling them. Even though they've never been more reachable, they're kind of sitting in silence. There are no providers calling them saying, listen, man, I was thinking about you. How are you? How's your family? What are the kids doing for school, right? How was their summer? Did you guys get to go anywhere? And now, what are you working on these days that I can help you with? Because I'd like to help you. Yes. There's your conversation. That's why not. Well, I think, I think it's... It's fascinating and I loved reading about it because it reminded me as a restaurant owner of the best salespeople across all of our vendors. What did they do that made them stand out from everybody else? And typically what they did was proactive selling. They weren't reactive and they also were learning about me and my needs and not just selling what they needed to sell. And I think that's a huge point which you make in the book. Um, because it is, it's it's important to listen, and it's also important to have that verbal communication. You know, as much as we talk on this podcast about sending a message on Instagram through DM, sending a email follow up, ultimately voice has inflection. When you call somebody, it's something that David Meltzer has taught me. Voice is the most powerful app on the phone. That phone, voice is the most powerful like thing. Right. That's awesome. I've never heard that before. Well, That's you can great. use it. You can use it. Melzer, Melzer <laughs> would be fine with that. Because because every everything that's been said has been said already, right? Yeah. Uh, well, so so let's talk about that. I feel like we we've over uh, uh, turned oversteered towards Zoom right now. Yes. And I, I you know. I, th I feel like people are getting zoomed out. Everybody's a little box on the screen, right? We're all a little box, man. You and me are boxes right now, right? Yep. Um, and I feel like the telephone now, a phone call, almost has more depth to it than a Zoom meeting where we can see each other because I want to be able to hear your voice and move around my office, right? I want to get up and walk around. I was connecting with uh, a, a client, actually. Now, automatically, people just send Zoom invites. Instantly. Yes. They don't even think yes. about it. It's just a Zoom invite. Every phone call is a Zoom invite now. Yes. And so I had one with a client the other day. It was earlier this week. And, you know, I got on it. And I'm like, Dave, listen, man, can we make this a phone call? Because I want to get up and walk around a little bit. He goes, oh, my God, I'm so glad you asked. He goes, I want to get up and walk around, too. So we did it on the phone. I went back. First of, first of all, I sat back like this and I put my feet up, which I can never do in a Zoom meeting. Correct. I'm putting my feet up and relaxing into a conversation. Yes. When we're looking into the camera, you got to lean forward. You have to be like, I don't know, tense in your body, sort of focused in. You're on camera, right? Well, you know what he did? He went outside because I started to hear birds chirping. You wow. Know? He went outside and stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just in the backyard walking around. It's so nice to be on the phone. Right. There's the power of a phone call. Well, I mean, the power of the phone call and the power of nature also. I mean, Bill Gates is known for having his meetings during walks, right? I mean, there, there, there's, a, there's a, an intense power when you're listening to somebody intently on what they're talking about. Yeah. And I think it's such a powerful thing when we are living in a pandemic and we are not as reachable. One of the things that I've been frustrated with is people emailing to set up a time to talk. <laughs> do it now. Why is that frustrating for you? Do it now. Because why did I take Just the time? Call to, you? Why did you? Absolutely. Call my phone right now. Call it. If I don't pick up, I'll send a text and it will say, I'll call you back when I'm when I'm available. Leave me a voicemail, an actual voicemail with what something interesting that compels me to call you back. It it uh, makes it makes it makes you stand out from everybody else. Listen, full agreement, you won't get an argument from me. Uh, uh, I 
I'm a big proponent of picking up the phone and leaving a voicemail because people get so few of them now, right? Yes. Especially from people who can help them. You know, we don't really get that many voicemails. Um, how many times does your phone ring with a, with a service provider or a salesperson or somebody who's trying to help you when nothing's wrong? You know, when, when, when there isn't an urgent matter, just, just to checking in with you. I was thinking about you. How are you? How's your family? Now, now where can I help you? Tell me what you're working on. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know the last time I got one of those calls. Right. Uh, and, and I'm good at spending money, but nobody asks, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's interesting that you prefer the phone call to the email to schedule the call. Well, I think, I guess probably because I'm a person that's always gone against the grain. So when when the text message first came out and people were leaving voicemails, it was frustrating for me that my uncle would call me and leave a voicemail for three minutes, tell me nothing, and then say, call me back. Because he told me nothing in that three minutes. And then I said, why don't you just text me? What, you, what do you need? You but then as, as that digital communication became the sole focus of what I was doing, yeah. not just in my personal life, but in my business life, I realized that if I actually call somebody and leave a thoughtful voicemail, I can get a call back or I could even just, even if they don't call me back, they're going to smile and they're going to remember that I cared enough to call them and leave a funny joke or whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. to, to call them at that time. Right, right, right. Um, can you talk about why, why are, why are salespeople very rarely on the offense? Uh, one word answer, fear, fear. Fear. Uh, it's it's because uh, we uh, our fear of uh, uh, rejection and failure is so profound that uh, it's bigger than our need to feed our family. That's how big it is. Wow. And we're you know we we don't go on intentional offense because. Uh, the biggest reason is we're afraid to. The secondary reason is that um, we're busy. You know, we're not sitting around all day. We're actually solving problems. We're world-class problem solvers, right? Yeah. You have to be. If you've been in, in, in the business of making money uh, by selling, uh, meaning I can't feed my family unless I sell, right? Yeah. That, that's how we eat. And if you're in that business, you're for any amount of time, you're pretty busy, right? You're dealing with clients, you're running around, you're solving problems. And most salespeople are actually far better at customer service than they are at selling. Yes. We serve the customer. We have to because they call all day requiring service. Here's a hoop, jump. And yes. we do. There's no choice. Um, and that doesn't leave a lot of time for proactive offense, right? for reaching out to customers and being present and showing them that we care. So that's an interesting thing. I'm not suggesting that we need to care more. I think we care more than enough. Yes. What I am suggesting is we need to communicate that care more because if we care in silence, nobody knows that we care. Customer doesn't know. How would they know? It's like a tree falling in the forest, right? So what we need to do for five minutes a day is to communicate that we care by picking up the phone, by asking the customer what else they need, the reverse did you know question. What else are you working on that I could help you with? By asking for the business, right? When would you like to start, this week or next? When can I expect the PO? Uh, by following up on quotes and proposals, right, Sean? I'd yes. love to help you on that proposal we talked about. Where are you at on that, man? <laughs> right? That tells me, that tells you, hopefully, that I care. I'm interested yeah. enough to ask. But the fear keeps us from doing that. Because if I ask you, you might reject me. And then I'm going to die <laughs> yes. when you do that. And right? they're going to come and take away the house from my family after I'm dead. Because you said no to me on this one thing that I asked you about. Right? That's the fear. Of course, we never That's get that through. But it happens automatically, and it keeps us from doing it. It, it. Fear is something that is it's fascinating. It's fascinating as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. But then when you're talking about sales specifically, are you typically doing most of your consulting with B2B businesses or B2C both? So I tend to work with uh, business-to-business companies. Mm -hmm. But I have absolutely done this work with uh, B2C companies as well. Uh, the vast majority of my clients today are, in fact, uh, B2B companies. Yeah, but we and know this works for both. 
And in your opinion, moving forward, the sales tech, because the sales techniques that you teach in your book, they are so applicable even to my business, which is the hospitality business, the service business, where typically a server doesn't see themselves in sales. Mm -hmm. Typically a restaurant owner, even I don't even see myself in sales yet. I know that I'm selling because I have to sell my ideas. I have to sell our barbecue. I have to sell our media services, all the things. And once you start to systematically break that down the way that you do in the book and give an actual playbook, you say, here's your two week challenge. Tell me about the two week challenge and how, why you set it up that way. So at the beginning of the book, I lay out, there's, there's a two week challenge that I uh, present to the readers and uh, what I'm asking for is five minutes a day for two weeks, right? So 10 business days, 50 minutes, five zero out of 80 hours, right? That's 80 hours in a work week. So give me 50 minutes of proactive communication, the kind of communication that's in the book. And I make an assignment, right? I said, give me five. I don't remember exactly what I asked for, but I think I asked for five proactive calls, five did you know questions and five proposal or quote follow-ups, right? For mm -hmm. each week. So that's 15 things. Uh, over five days, that's three efforts a day. That's three three things a day, which you can do not in five minutes, but in one minute, yep. right? In one minute uh, a day. And what I'd like you to do in those two weeks is use a uh, planner at the beginning of the week. We have a proactive call planner. I know it's hard to see, but basically there's eight places to write down who to call. And there, because there's eight kinds of people we can call. Yes. Chapter on most of them. And so I just want you to think through who you can call. Um, I think the reason most people don't make more proactive phone calls, Sean, is that we don't know who to call, you know, because <laughs> we're busy all day and we don't give it any time to think about it. Yes. And, you know, email doesn't tell us who to call, even though it's full of people we can call. And uh, I think that like CRMs don't really tell us who to call because they're um, they're not used exactly correctly. Yes. So uh, I think we need to think through for five minutes at the beginning of a week who to call. And there's your list for the whole week. So write down who to call and then track what happens. There's a tracker here called the action tracker. And it's just a, a just a bunch of lines where you can write down mm -hmm. who you talk to. What did you say and what did they say? What did you bring up? How did they react? So. You talked to me about my website and doing some redesign work on the homepage. I am interested in that because I haven't had it redesigned in a few years. And there, that's all you write down. And then I want you to put down the, the coolest part of this to me is the dollar figure I want you to connect to that action. Yeah. So each three second action, did you know I can help redesign your homepage and only your homepage can be worth thousands of dollars. And I want you to connect that money to that three second action. The psychology there is helpful in continuing the behavior. So that's it. Plan it quickly, do it quickly, track it quickly. Don't plan for two hours, plan for five minutes. Don't track for two hours, track for 30 seconds. Write down a thing and go and move. And that's it. That's the two week challenge. And if you do that for two weeks, Sean, you will see more opened opportunities. You will see more sales progress to a close and you will see uh, more actual closes and more new money in just two weeks. And I think after two weeks, I hope you're going to want to do more. So I read your book in one week. I modified your challenge from a two week challenge to a one week challenge. Instead of five minutes, I made five calls and the results have been absolutely incredible. Tell now, somebody, it. somebody like me that is a, a restaurant owner that we're in currently in expansion mode. So we're opening up a second unit. We're going to be opening up another five units in the next two years for me to start looking at sales, not just as sales, but who are the people that we're currently doing business with that can help me achieve the goals that I want? So instead of reactively acting like most of the time we do as as owners of businesses is there's a fire, let's go put it out. This is let's think ahead of the fire and go find out the human in that huge tech company that I can build a relationship with that actually can help me achieve the big goals that I have for our brand. And I've made proactive communication with people at Yelp, people at DoorDash, people um, that are at U.S. Foods, our primary food vendor, you know, reaching out to these people. And it's it's been great, too, because of the pandemic. 
we've actually had to go line by line on everything and figure out who are we paying money to and do we need it? And if we do need it, who's responsible for it? So we've really cleaned up our P&L saying we don't need that service anymore. It's a digital service we signed up. I signed up for five years ago. It's an annual fee. We don't use it. Now we're using this. Okay, let's get rid of that. But if we are using it, let's call somebody and then actually develop a relationship and say, hey, we plan on being here for the long term. We're in expansion mode. Is there any other services that you guys can offer me? And all of a sudden, I'm getting all these opportunities that I would have never have gotten before. But thanks to your book and the recipe that you prescribe, it puts you into a proactive mindset and it gives you that compounding interest of opportunities. Awesome. Great to hear. I love it. Good job. Good job applying. Did you did you did you design it with that in mind or did you design it for typically just for sales salespeople? Do you believe that everyone is in sales? How about let's start with that? Well, you know, I think to to succeed in in, in any business pursuit, I think we we have to communicate our desire uh, to help people and convince yeah. them to be helped by us. You know, even in your restaurant, you need to convince people to come in. Yes. Right. And that's probably more of a marketing pursuit than a sales pursuit. But as you said, once they're sitting at the table, now your waiters and waitresses, they become uh, into the sales function, don't they? Yes. Um, Even when they say, would you like dessert? You know, that's a did you know question. Yeah. What else? What else would you like to drink tonight? That's a reverse. Did you know question where the customer can tell you what else they want? So, yes, I think all of us need to be in the business of uh, convincing people to be helped by us. Right. Yeah. Which is how I think about selling. Um, it, did I design it uh, for for buying things? Right. I think is the question. Right. Yeah. I think about the possibility that this could be used on the purchasing end of things. Too. Yes. And the answer is um, uh, in many of my clients, because I do these consulting projects uh, for many of them, indeed, uh, the, the same techniques that are used for um, that are in the book. Many of the techniques work on the buying side. So, uh, you know, a, a somebody in purchasing will often say, did you know that we sell this product or that? Now, can you help me get that? Or they might say, what else, what other products do you have that we can sell to our customers, right? If it's mm-hmm. a lot of distributor clients who, who can pretty much sell whatever they can buy, right? They can obtain it for a manufacturer, they can sell it to their customers. So they would say, you know, we, we, we can distribute anything. What other products do you have for us that, that we can move and help our customers with? So, yes, it's absolutely been used that way. And I'm really glad that uh, you, you kind of got there on your own and it worked for you. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just it's fascinating because it highlighted, like I said before, all the people that we do business with on and all businesses, you know, for we have a catering business and we get logo tongs from a small company in Colorado. They're literally probably one of the only companies out of hundreds that we do business with that will routinely call us, call us on the telephone, call me and call Gene, our pit master and say, you know, we're just thinking about you. We know the holidays are coming up. If you needed, if you needed to order any extra tongs, they also follow it up with an email. Like they're proactively keeping me and their business top of mind to make sure like, the last thing I want is for our catering manager to go out to a wedding or to a function and not have tongs to be able to serve, you know, yeah. our cornbread or our, or our meat. Right. Right. And that's that's what you do when you're present is you remind people of yourself, you know, uh, because the competition probably of, of that company isn't doing that, are they? They're the only ones probably. Right. That's correct. They are. No, they like literally they are. And it's amazing because it's probably one of the smallest companies, you know, that we work with for one single item. You know, typically we have broad line distributors, Uh but even within those other companies, the people, the humans, the salespeople that go out of their way to care about who we are, not only care about, but they also follow us on social. So they'll subscribe to our email newsletter. They'll follow us on Instagram. They'll follow us on Twitter. Like they understand what we're doing. They have the pulse of our brand and our family and what we're trying to accomplish in the community. It's much easier for them to say, oh, you have a barbecue festival that you're putting on at the Del Mar races. Is there any way we can help with that? They've just saved me time. And now I'm thinking about, well, geez, I love this company. This is great. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And look, you know, I think the message is that um, 
when you're present and when you you call and check in and say what do you need i'd like to help you you're literally the only one in that customer's life doing it you know uh they they don't have a lot of people like you and so if you want to stand out from the crowd as you just explained about your tongue supplier be present systematically not sometimes when you happen to think about it but all the time uh for five minutes a day at around the same time of day preferably early in the morning because you'll get busy and then it'll be easy to not do it but when you call and say i'd like to help you you're the only one doing that and they're literally going to look for opportunities to to do business with you don't you kind of feel like you owe it to that tongue supplier to reward their effort uh, with you, with business? No, you're absolutely right. It's I, I because of how they've approached us as clients and their business and knowing that we cared about what they were selling, it will be so hard for me to ever change from them because I care about them. That's right. They've, they've I, been sincere. I've had clients tell me, you know, stories about people trying really hard to help them, like calling repeatedly and trying. And and they say to me, you know, I feel like I owe it to them to buy from them because people don't try this hard. And so if, if you're calling on the right people, which are, which are good prospects or good customers of yours, right? Like you are to the Tong company as they call on you, people are gonna feel like they owe you for your effort. And so they're gonna almost look for opportunities to create business with you, even if they may not necessarily even need it all that much. Correct. They're gonna try, because you're trying so hard to help them, they are going to look for opportunities to try to help you with their business. That's how it goes. Yeah, correct. And I mean, it. back to what you were saying, calling and checking in, you know, during the pandemic, we work with Restaurant Solutions. Um, they're also out of Colorado, but they're an accounting firm that helps restaurants essentially run a run a profitable business they do all of our back-end software payroll reporting uh-huh. and they're they're absolutely phenomenal they just went through a corporate change where they have a new ceo that took over they decided that they were going to contact their 1600 clients and let them know that they were reducing pricing and optimizing their website to make things easier on the customer they called every single one of their clients i've already referred them business I referred them to a new business owner, um, a barbecue business owner, Rosie's Barbecue in Los Angeles. And I'm having a conversation with him. He goes, oh yeah, did you know RSI? They, they called me, not only are they saving me money, but they just saved me two hours of time because of this upgrade that they've done. So what do you think he's gonna do? Anytime he talks to another restaurant owner in Los Angeles, what's he gonna do? He's gonna tell them about Restaurant Solutions. The same way that I go and tell every restaurant owner I know about Restaurant Solutions. Right, yeah. You're right. Exactly right. People reward effort because it's so rare, you know? Yes. Uh, it's just that there isn't a lot of it out there. So we try to reward the people who give it to us. So what's the difference between authentic, authentic communication and hacking the game? Basically, what I've seen on LinkedIn is people trying to game the inbox and trying to give me 15 minutes of your time and I'm going to give you all the solutions that you need. What would your advice be to somebody that's using LinkedIn? They found success on LinkedIn, but how could they find more success? I mean, do you think those people are successful who are? I don't think they're successful because I've never I've never scheduled a meeting with any of them. Well, because they're just spamming, only not an email, but on LinkedIn. Correct. You know, they're, it's, a digital, are, it's a digital spam. Yeah, these are these are spammy, um, you know, random messages. Often Templated. don't even apply, you know, but because they're in mail or whatever they do with them, we probably see them a little bit more than emails. You know, they show up a little more. I don't think they're particularly successful. So I'm suggesting that we call people that we know and that we text people that we know and uh, you know not really that we email people i feel like you know the the only reasonable use of email is actually to do that one thing that you said you don't like which is interesting which is uh, if you must use email use it to schedule phone calls and use it to follow (laughs) up on quotes and proposals you know the only time i like email to schedule it is when you use something like calendly that makes it easy on both parties yeah. where we're not emailing back and forth. Right. Right. Oh, this works, this step. doesn't work. Give me some potential dates. Yeah, yeah in one yeah. step. Um, <laughs> so I'm suggesting we call people that we know and that we communicate with people that we know who would recognize our name and whose name we know. 
And and that's who to reach out to. The, I think the LinkedIn spammers, the hacking or the gaming the system, you know, hacking the system, not hacking your computer, but trying to yes. shortcuts to building a relationship. You know, I don't think that's going to bring you success in the selling business. Why do you think they spam on LinkedIn? It's because they're afraid to pick up the phone. You know, <laughs> the fear right. is so great that we resort back to uh, communications pathways that don't get us rejected into our ear. You know, the phone rejection is intimate. Yes. And so we uh, try to avoid it. The reason people avoid the phone is that the rejection is intimate. You know, we don't want to upset the customer. We don't want to step on their toes. We don't want to lose the customer. I've worked for 10 years to, to, to bring this customer along and build them up to this level. And, you know, I'm not going to risk that now by offering them something else I can help them with. Uh, and then they might leave me forever and then I might die, as we've talked about. So, and of course they won't do that. You know, they're not going to leave you if you say, hey man, do you need help with this also? Because I'd like to. Yes. You know, I like working with you. You're one of my best clients. Do you need any help with this? And they say, no. Say, All right, glad I asked. Now I know. Nobody's right. going to shoot at you. You know, <laughs> you won't have to duck under any desks. Um, that's why they go to LinkedIn though, is, is that the fear of telephone personal rejection is profound. In the LinkedIn spam world and in the email spam world, I've sent the email or I've sent the LinkedIn message, I've succeeded. I'm done. I've done my job, right? Yeah. And because nobody replies back, there is no rejection, is there? there yes. There's just silence when I don't know what the hell is happening, right? Did the email get to them? I don't know. Did it land in their inbox? I don't know. Did they see it with their eyes even, right? Did they see yeah. the, the one line? I don't know. Did, did, if they opened it, did they read it? I have no idea, right? If they read it, did it register in their brains? Did they think about it? I don't know, because they didn't reply to anything. Yes. But on the phone, if I leave a voicemail, I know you're going to hear it. Yes. At the very least, I know you're going to see it on your voicemail list, right? Yep. If I send you a text, I know it's going to show up on your phone. See, I've got three things here, and I've looked at it every time it's, it's popped up. Because Correct. it's sitting next to me, and even though you and I are in the middle of a, of a live conversation here, I want to make sure I'm not missing anything important. So Correct. I look at it. Um, that's the difference between getting it to the phone and sending a stupid message. Yes. And I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so funny because it sounds so simple. When you break it down the way that you do, it sounds simple. But then when you get back to the driving force that prevents us as humans from doing it, it is the fear. And that fear is powerful. When did you get over your personal fear of selling? And when did selling become your sales, your, your calling? You know, I, I write books about it and I, and I teach, I've taught, you know, thousands of people this stuff. I still deal with it. I still deal with it. I still yeah. have fear. Um, it doesn't magically go away. You just develop techniques uh, to to deal with it. Do you, do you ever watch A Beautiful Mind? It's a movie. Just, yeah, of course. Russell Absolutely. Crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a schizophrenic and he sees visions, and, but he's a genius, right? So he's a I think he's a professor um, of mathematics, and he ends up winning the Nobel Prize. But he had these visions that debilitated him, the, these hallucinations, you know, and uh, eventually he 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 appears to get better and, and you know conquers things and and succeeds the way that you know everybody was sort of rooting for him to succeed and at the end uh you know one of the last scenes is he has this vision again he has this hallucination and it just turns out that he's figured out how to deal with it so he's he knows now how to tell himself that it's not real you know yeah. And so they never went away. They make you believe that they went away, right? Yep. And he's cured magically, but no, yep. it's still there. And so I still deal with the fear. It's just that I have, uh, uh, I've developed mindsets now to deal with it. So let me give you an example. Uh, the fearful mindset is I'm bothering the customer. I'm annoying them. I'm stepping on their toes. The confident, uh, uh, bold mindset is I can help these people, you know, and they need my help and I want to help them. And so I'm going to go try, right? And I could be calling anybody right now, but I'm going to pick this person and they're kind of lucky to be hearing from me, you know? And, and also I'm kind of lucky because I get the chance to try to help them, right? So that's yes. a grateful mindset. Um, and, and for me, those positions are stronger than the fear, right? 
but it didn't just happen overnight. I had to build it up. Uh, so, so I still deal with it. One of the examples you give in the book about offering other services was when you were moving. Yeah. And can you can you can you let our listeners know kind of it, it was a great it was it was very powerful for me sure. primarily because I just moved um, recently with my with my growing family yeah. we, we moved from a condo to a house and um, we actually did the move with friends and I I wish we had hired mo- movers but yeah please tell us the tell us the story because it was uh, it was a great great illustration so so the story is uh, last year we moved into this house that I'm in now that we're in. And uh, we hired a moving company, and for the first time in in our life, my wife and I had this company pack up all of our stuff, which was amazing, because literally right up to uh, two days before we moved, there were no boxes in the house. It was like we were just living in our house, you know, our old house. And then the day before the move, this army of dudes shows up, right? Big guys with tattoos and neck tattoos and like really kind of scary dudes, but really effective. And <laughs> like, like they flooded the house, you know, probably a dozen of them. And they packed up the entire house in like eight hours. Like it was amazing. And not only did they pack up the house, they loaded the trucks up, right? Yes. Uh, I don't think I don't know if they got all the trucks loaded, but they loaded up, you know, a good amount of the material, not the furniture, but the boxes. And yeah. Then, and then it was loaded up. So we did that for the first time in our lives. And then the next day we, we moved within the same town. So it was a short drive. They came over to the new house and they and they brought in all the furniture and all the boxes and they unwrapped uh, all the furniture. And so, cause, you know, they wrap it up in blankets mm-hmm. and they unwrapped it all. And they, they asked my wife where she wants all the boxes. And she told them, you know, put these here and these here. And then they left. <laughs> and later that night, uh, our friends come over uh, with a bottle of champagne. At the, you know, sort of like, I don't know, well, welcome to your new home, I guess. And, and my buddy says, because they use the same company. And he said, uh, he goes, he sees all these boxes, you know, piled up like, like skyscrapers in, in our house. And he says, why didn't you have them unpack you? And I said, oh, they don't do that. Uh, and he goes, no, no, they do. They did it for us. <laughs> I was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Nobody thought to tell me that they would unpack all this crap too. Right. And then he goes, he goes, they unpacked us. And now I'm trying to like make excuses, right? That I didn't, yes. that we didn't talk. I say to him, yeah, but my wife likes things, you know, to go in, in, in the right cabinet. My wife likes the, the same thing. Sure. And, stuff. <laughs> and he said, no, no. He's like, they just take stuff out of the boxes, put it on the counters. And then make all the garbage and the packing paper magically disappear and go away out of the house. And then you put it away. They don't put it away. They just yeah. unpack it. And I was like, that's, well, that's like all- a miracle <laughs> that that's even possible. And nobody told me that they could do this. And I, I swear, Sean, if somebody if they would have told me they could do this, I wouldn't have even asked them how much it cost. I no. would have said, please, God, do that. Yes. You know, please do that for me so I don't have to. And then I started thinking, how much money is getting lost? Lose? And, you know, I actually worked with a moving company. And so I found out how much money they lose. about 25 to 30 percent of the total revenue that if, if unbelievable, if you don't unpack. Right. That's just that's free money. It's unbelievable. Free money. 25 to 30 percent of this moving company's revenue. Different company, but it's consistent is uh, unpacking. Yeah. Yeah. And then another 20 percent is packing. Yeah. So. I mean, it's crazy how many people they don't ask every day to unpack. We we just bought a couch from Living Spaces and they asked us, well, you'd like would you like delivery? And we said, yes. Well, would you like us to deliver and drop it off or would you like us to deliver it and actually put the couch where it's supposed to go? And the couch was going upstairs. It's an easy no-brainer. I want that couch upstairs. Otherwise, I've got to call six guys, and it's still going to be a pain for us to get it upstairs. Right. How much did so, you pay for it? Seventy-five dollars to move it up. To to get it delivered and dropped off and moved up the second level. So what if it was a hundred bucks to get it upstairs? Would Done. You do it? I would have paid 125? it. Twenty-five. Yes. One fifty. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. Why doesn't it cost more than $75? Because I don't know. And I are going to pay for that. I don't know. What's the difference between 75 and 150 It's not enough to have to move that couch on my back. Right? Right. I Correct. I wouldn't do it. Correct. My friends don't like me that much to come over and move a, a heavy couch up, upstairs. Um yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's it it goes back it goes back to you know McDonald's how much money they made by 
just asking the question, would you like to supersize that? Well, I have a restaurant story that fits right along with this, with the moving story, if you'd like to hear it real quick. I'd love to hear it. I, I drink iced coffees, and here's the remnants of, of this morning's iced coffee. And I was at the Minneapolis airport buying an iced coffee. It was, I drink an iced Americano, I think. And there was a young lady behind the counter. She's probably 20 years old. She said to me, would you like a bottle of water with that? And I said, oh, my God. She just asked me the did you know question, right? <laughs> about. And I said, do they teach you how to ask this question? She said, yes, they do. It's a part of our training. And I said, how many people buy a bottle of water? And she said, almost everybody no buys way. a bottle of water. Well, I'm going on the airplane. Of course I need a bottle of water, right? I'm flying out. I got a coffee. I'm going to need a water, right? Yes. I don't think to buy my water at the coffee shop. I'm going to go to the gift shop or the newsstand or whatever to buy my coffee down there, down the terminal, right? And so almost everybody buys the water. Guess how much this water costs? It was one of those big bottles. Guess how much the water costs? Seven dollars. Five. It was five, $5. bucks for the water. Yeah, there you go. Coffee sure. costs three dollars. <laughs> the water <laughs> costs five dollars. Almost everybody buys the water. Oh so, my! God. With the simple question, they've would already you like doubled a bottle their of water with that. Three seconds. Would you like a bottle of water with that? This coffee shop. It was a Caribou Coffee. Nearly triples its revenue from three dollars to eight, and not with coffee, with water, which with is no water labor. already packaged, right? And so the question <laughs> to our viewers here is, John, what is your bottle of water? You know, yes. what's your bottle of water? What's your unpacking the boxes service? What are your customers buying from you? And they've niched you into that thing when you can offer them this much. And also you've niched them into this thing that they buy. Because if they needed something else, they would ask for it. No, they wouldn't ask for it. They can't ask for it. They don't know that you can do it for them. Right. Yes. And then you, you might be thinking, well, I told them that I can do this for them. And then you probably heard, I didn't know you could do that too. Right. Yes. Everybody who sells hears that all the time. So just because we tell somebody something doesn't mean they know. It just means we told them. It doesn't mean to register. doesn't mean they remember. They're not thinking about your stuff. They're thinking about Correct. their stuff. Correct. Just as we think about our stuff, our customers think about their stuff. They don't think about ours. Correct. So what I'm saying is we have to ask in system all the time. We have to communicate proactively. If you ask, would you like a bottle of water with that once in a while? They would sell it once in a while. And then they're like little snowflakes that fall to the ground, $5 here and there, right? And they're fleeting. It's fleeting. Um, but when you ask all the time, in system, they nearly triple their revenue. And what you get is a freaking blizzard, not snowflakes, but yes. a blizzard of, of new sales, of additional help to customers, of helping your family, of helping your company or your business. And... That's why the system is everything here, right? The whole book is a system. I have, I have on, the, on the back cover here, it says, this book is a sales growth system. So the system is the key. And I think five minutes a day is enough. You can do more if it gets good to you. Certainly do more, be my guest. But instead of zero, five minutes a day is gonna take you miles. Yes. And I, as I, as I said, from my own personal experience doing the homework, uh, I mean, early on in the book, you say, I don't want you to read the book. I want you to do the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's doing the book. Pro, proactive actions and also systemic in the way that because you're building upon micro actions and you're doing it early in the morning, which is very key when you're talking about decision makers and selling of when people are available. Um, it's something that's so powerful, and I think it's powerful not just B to B, but B to C too. Um, what is your What is your goal for the book? How do, how do you How do you make this book um, top all the charts? Uh -huh. well, what's your What's your sales goal for the book, and how how uh, how can we help you achieve that? Oh, uh, that's very kind of you to ask. So, my last book, Selling Boldly, which is over this shoulder, uh, became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. I think, as you said at the beginning of our yes. conversation here. Um, you know, look, if it can become a bestseller, great. Uh, that's not the most important thing. I don't write books to make them bestsellers. I write books to help lots of people. Um, more people can read the book than I can work with, right? Yes. So Selling Boldly has sold 20,000 copies. That's a big book. That's a big business book. Um, I couldn't work with 20,000 people individually, right? I work by myself. I run a big consulting practice. I work with bigger companies and then yes. their, their teams of salespeople. So I work with sales organizations. I work with groups of 50 or 100 or 200. I work with customer service groups. Anybody who faces customers uh, at, a, at a client company, 
comes through my programs with them. Um, a lot more people than that can read the book. Also, you know, if you're a salesperson and, you're, and your company isn't working with me, there's no real way for you to work with me directly. Yes. Um, but the books give you a way to do that. You can apply it for yourself and do your own growth. So that's really my goal with the books is just to reach a bunch of people and try to help them like, like you know, it's, it's my goal always, even in my sales work and, and, and just, you know, help more people make more money. That's, that's yeah. how we sell by helping more people more. That's the goal. And how do you think the book is going to help people, especially now? I mean, I think when we talk about fear and we've talked about it a lot on the episode, but, you know, in conclusion, th there's still a lot of fear. And I've, I find myself very fortunate that we're, you know, building a brand and a company that is in a growth path right now when everybody's retreating. Um, we've have a lot of factors that come into that, but I think the principles that you talk about in this book are so applicable to addressing that fear head on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think that, um, you know, I wrote, I wrote most of this book in January when I was with, uh, clients in January, I had 18 sessions in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And so I was running around a lot and most of them were in different cities. And so I would wake up at four in the morning, I'd get coffee and I would write, you know, and then I would go and do my all day workshop or my speech or my or my half day workshop or whatever I was doing. And then I would go uh, to a bar or or back to a coffee shop or to the airport and write some more um, for the evening round. Right. So it was two a days like football. Yeah. Like, two a days. Yeah, doing right. <laughs> uh, that's that's what it gets down to. Um, I don't know how to write uh, well in advance of when it's due. You know, I've written five books and I have no idea how to write months in advance. Sure. I just can't do it. I don't know. Um, so I wrote it during normal times. And in May, as we were well into the editing process, in fact, just about concluding the editing process, I wrote like a note from from me about how this applies uh, in this pandemic time that we're living in. Pandemic started end of February. So in May, I wrote this note. And the note basically says that everything in this book works better and is more effective now in pandemic when we can't see people anymore. Because I wrote it during a time when sales was, you know, as, as lots of my clients say, belly to belly, face to face. Um, now we can't see people so much. And so everything here is going to help you sell to them anyways, right? Yes. Through other pathways. And, and so, you know, the answer to your question of how does this work now? Uh, is better. It's even more effective. It's incredibly effective in normal times. It's even more effective now in this environment. Well, that's uh, I, I I completely agree. And like I said, I'm I'm excited because you've given me a challenge. I I take that two week challenge into a lifetime challenge awesome. um, because proactive actions um, I know have made a compact compounding interest for me personally, not just in, not just not just in my own personal health, which I've been doing um, thanks to my mentor, David Meltzer, but also in my business and in my relationships. So that that proact proactive systemic approach to doing something that is uncomfortable, you know, that does put you out of your comfort zone. But that's when all the opportunities happen. That's when you start to realize you're doing something that no one else is doing and you're developing deeper relationships with the people that you care about most. Hey, spell this David Meltzer for me because you've said him a bunch of times now. M-E-L-T-Z-E-R, Meltzer. All right, I found him. Yeah. Good. Do it now, what he teaches. Do it now. Don't do it later. But a lot of it has to do with planning, scheduling, personal planner. Game time decision making. Yep. Good. So, Alex, uh, how can people connect with you besides besides our listeners going to buy their book? So all the listeners to this podcast, you would do me a huge favor and Alex a huge favor. If nothing else, you start the two week challenge. Start the two week challenge, no matter what business you're in. Do this for yourself because you're going to see the results that I've already seen in one week. Um, and I'd love to hear back from you. But how, how can people connect with you? Uh, thank you for saying what you just said. And you're right. It would be it would be a favor and an honor uh, to me. Uh, you can find more about my work at my website, goldfane.com. It's my last name, G-O-L-D-F-A-Y-N, goldfane.com. 
uh, hopefully there'll be a link somewhere by oh yeah we'll, we'll have a whole article actually um and awesome. ian, ian and stover will get that together great uh and then uh you can buy the book it's it's published by wiley so you can buy it wherever books are sold you know it's it's on amazon it's where where is it best to buy it for you uh, you know, I suppose for me, it's, it's probably best for it to come from Amazon. From Amazon? Because that's, you know, it's it's the biggest bookseller by far. I've, he- I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's probably the best. And, you know, sort of sales there and rankings there matter, you know. And reviews. And reviews, reviews yeah. there matter, for sure. Yeah. So people care about where it's at in Amazon and they don't really care much about um You know, it's not nice of me to say this, but Amazon matters the most when you're an author. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, So if that's the question, then Amazon. And when are you going to start your podcast again? (laughs) You don't you don't have enough enough stuff to do. (laughs) Uh, I did the podcast last year for a few months, as you probably I I really enjoy. I enjoyed it. It was great. And what happened is because I'm talking the way that I had it set up is it was just me talking. There were no guests. There were no conversations. There was no flow. It was just me talking. And I do a lot of that. You know, I speak all the time. (laughs) I present all the time. And this was just another thing, another Alex talking, right, that I had to do uh, that I didn't enjoy as much as all the other Alex talking that I get to do Um, because I love the speaking and I love the interaction. So the short answer is I have no idea. The longer answer is if I come back to it, it's probably going to be a little different. Uh, it's going to yeah. be more interaction because this is what gives me energy, not me talking into a microphone by myself. Well, my advice to you to make it easy would be if any of the companies that you're consulting with and giving these speeches to, if they're OK with you recording that and then publishing that as a podcast, I think that would be very valuable to the listeners and actually valuable to the company because then you learn about. But most companies, I don't know if they're willing to do that. We're the kind of company that we would. Definitely. We do do that. That's that's what we do. I think conversations with successful salespeople would be interesting. Yes. Particularly people that do this program, that do this work. Well, you're already doing the work, recording it for audio and then publishing it as a podcast, I think would be very powerful. Not over not not adding more to your plate, just getting the best nuggets of what you're already doing. All right. I'll contact you to manage all that. Okay. No problem. You got a deal. (laughs) Alex, you're the best. Thank you. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't wait to uh, order the book myself and get in, in my hands and in my library. So um, it truly (laughs) truly was an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. I'm grateful to be on your show. Thank you.